You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. What's up, folks? Hello. Hello. How we doing? Good. Good. It's going. It's going. It's been a while since uh, we've had Michelle and Andrew here. Yeah. And I haven't seen Liam in God knows how long. Where have you guys been? What have you been doing? Nothing. Nothing? (laughs) Wait, you can't answer for them. (laughs) Oh, no. I have been doing nothing. I don't know what they've been doing. Oh, I was off in the mountains. Yeah, you know, I was. Yeah, I was doing my my routine. You know, I gotta go kill a live bear before I do the show. It's really that's why I'm not on here a lot. Okay, it's a, it takes a lot to well, kill a bear. It takes a, well just to you know to get back, and I have to bring the whole bear carcass back. It's just a whole routine. <laughs> it's unbearable. It's unbearable. Oh, that's been, right. I've been eating a lot of broccoli and drinking a lot of beer and <laughs> a lot of pulled pork and a lot of po- pulled pork. We did. We drank we drank and ate a lot of pulled pork. And was there really broccoli? What's that? Was there seriously broccoli? No, there was no broccoli. Oh. No. Oh. <laughs> but there yeah, was that's just what pork. I was doing with my spare time. <laughs> the pork. The pulled pork. It is the pork. Hello. It is the pork. All right. Sorry about that. Okay. So this is episode something. One twenty. Wow, dang. Yeah, 120. Wow. We've actually done 121, though, because yeah. we did the unofficial episode. Oh, but we didn't really count the the stuff at Motor City either. Oh, yeah, So yeah. we've actually done a lot more than 120. Mm-hmm. But first things first, I'm going to jump into um, our sponsors. Unfortunately, one of them died. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Sellermans yeah. is no more. Rest Aww. in peace, Sellermans. Yeah, they're closing uh, this weekend, I believe. This will be their last weekend open. So kind of sad. Pour one out for the homies. Yep, one for my homies. Not on my floor, though. Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. (laughs) And then, of course, the Flint Institute of Arts and also projectorscreen.com. So make sure you check all those wonderful people out. You're also quiet tonight. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) It's all that San Diego stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I'm honestly, like, mentally super tired. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. I would be, too. I would be, too. (laughs) I'm still reeling from this Saturday and... All that, all that damn pulled pork and yeah. beer. <laughs> I'm just feeling low key. That's not normal for you. Is yeah. everything okay? Oh, oh no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I just don't have any like jokes or anything like in my mind. So I'm we'll just find like, some. Yeah, we'll find some. <laughs> we'll find some as we go. Yeah, we'll find definitely. All right. So news this week, not really a lot going on, but kind of a lot going on. Uh, Natalie Portman is gonna be playing. Thor in the next phase of the Marvel movies with Taika Waititi Mm -hmm. directing Thor, Love and Thunder. The best title. Yeah, I love that title. It's like really comic booky to me. Yeah, I'm I'm just excited for Taika Waititi to be back. I think he, like Thor Ragnarok is probably the best of the MCU movies. Yeah. So him coming back is just like... It's definitely the best Thor movie. Yeah, that's... (laughs) Ragnarok, yeah, that's the best. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, And then, obviously, he's returning to direct this movie. The other thing we got the other day was the first full trailer for Picard. Yeah, that looks great. It looks really, really good. We got a couple teases in that trailer for Mm -hmm. characters that are going to be returning. So, definitely, definitely, definitely interested in seeing how this show goes. When is that coming out, Michelle? I don't remember, to be honest. It wasn't, like, super far away, though. 
Like, was it this fall, maybe? It's got to be. It was pretty, it was coming, I don't remember the exact date of it. Because yeah. they're pushing it pretty hard yeah. right now. It's, there's, like, it looked like it was going to be either the fall or, like, maybe early December yeah. or January from the way they were talking about it. Yeah. It looked really good, though. Yeah. Because what do we see? We saw Jerry Ryan is back. Yeah. What was her character's name? Seven of Nine. Yeah, Seven, seven of, of nine. nine. And then who else was back? Brett Spiner. Yep. Da- Hell yeah. Data. Um, and then I thought I read somewhere that, you know, Riker is coming back with uh, Deanna Troy. Yeah, I thought I saw that, too. Yeah. So basically, it's going to be Next Generation Part 2, which right. I'm all good with. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen other people that are talking about coming back, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Definitely, definitely excited for that. And then Endgame. Finally, this weekend, a lot of people are really excited that yeah. it actually surpassed Avatar's box office. I don't really get what the big deal is. Yeah. I mean, the numbers don't matter to me. I'm more about, was it a good movie or not? Mm-hmm. But still, it's a pretty big it's thing a, it's to do. It's a big do. achievement. Yeah. yeah. I think more people saw Endgame than Avatar because Avatar just had a giant ticket price. That's yeah. how they were able Oh, to yeah, because 3D was, that was new then. Yeah. And it was, people were like, dang, $20 for a ticket. I forgot that. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, $20 for a ticket, that's cheap. Must be, <laughs> must be a matinee. <laughs> and then another numbers thing happened this weekend. The Lion King, their live action, yeah. not live, live action, action <laughs> version. The um, realistic version. It's realistic. <laughs> yeah, it's very realistic. Yeah. Because these lions talking happens yeah. all the time. <laughs> right. I, I saw With, the movie. Those lions talking. There's yeah. the whole scene, like, can you feel the love tonight? They Their mouths don't move, so it looks like they're, like, telepathic. And it's very weird. Do their mouths move? I didn't oh, see they, it. They do move. It's okay. But it's very weird. Like, it doesn't have the range of emotion. And, yeah. like... You know, oh, it's not supposed to be like the animated movie, but it's almost shot for shot at points. So your brain is going to go, oh, yeah, that's like in the movie, but yeah. it's worse. <laughs> you know what? I just don't get with these Disney anime, these live action things. Like, I don't understand why they try to emulate the the, mm. the animated movie because everybody it's never going to be as good. They should like reinterpret the, the tale. Right. Like, yeah. Like, say you have Cinderella, like do a new Cinderella, completely different mm. from the cartoon. Don't use anything from the animated version. Like, be like, you know, or maybe use a different a Cinderella story from a different culture or something. Yeah. I, don't, I still understand why they don't try to do something completely new with these live action things because they're always going to pale in comparison to the mm-hmm. animated things, right? So like, yeah, and they're just they're copycats. Just, yeah. They're just pandering to nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. totally. They're banking on everybody's fond memories of the 1994 film. Mm. And the only yeah. one that looks good to me is Mulan, Mulan because they kind of like awesome. took all the. They didn't use all that weird the anime mm-hmm. animation stuff. They just they're like it's live action Mulan, which is would translate really well to a movie. I feel like anyway. Yeah, but. I think that's gonna be an interesting yeah. story. That that's, one only looks the only one that looks yeah. like good to me. The Little Mermaid sounds interesting just because it's from the director of Mary Poppins Returns, which oh, yeah. that wasn't half bad either. Yeah, Mary I Poppins really Return. That one. So. We loved Mary Poppins Returns. I know a lot mm. of people didn't because they were just saying, eh, it's just, you know, blah, 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 blah. I thought Emily Blunt was great. Yeah, she's yeah. fantastic. And you could just see that movie. Like, a lot of kids maybe haven't seen the classic. So I think, mm. like, you could see Mary Poppins Returns and, like, fall in love with that one all on its own. Yeah. yeah. They brought hand-drawn animation back for yeah. it. That Which, whole that was awesome. Amazing. Yeah, that's that amazing looking. awesome. Disney <laughs> love that to be doing more of that and yeah. less focus on CGI. Yeah. So the numbers thing about Lion King is actually the biggest summer box office opening of all time. Really? Yeah. yeah. For Lion King? Yes, it was huge. I wonder huh. how big the drop's going to be. 
pretty after, big. After everybody's like, oh, that was After everyone sees it. Well, I didn't really like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. It, you know, it's fine. That's how I felt. I saw it, and I was just like, I would never pick this over the original. Yeah. Just re-release the original. They Absolutely. I would have gone to see the original a heartbeat if they put that back in theaters. Heck yeah. Like, oh man, I, I'm still bummed because the, the version of Brie mm. Prepared in the remake is just not good. <laughs> the what isn't? Be Prepared. Chiwatel is Yofer's a good actor. Oh, but he's great. He's no Jeremy Irons. No. It's just Yo. a whole other level of uh, personality that <laughs> that role needed. My buddy Tom said, maybe an animated version of the Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> there we go. That's perfect. Yeah. I'd like to see Tarantino direct that. Yeah. <laughs> He's got one more movie left, he said. Yeah. Supposedly. Supposedly. And now they're talking about all kinds of other stuff yeah. that he wants to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, that was our news for the week. In releases this week, there's not much other than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which we're seeing tomorrow. Yes. All the way out in Novi. Yeah. I was yeah. like, hey, it's super fun. It's going to be a drive. Yeah. I'll be seeing it on uh, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, Michigan Theater's playing it in 35 millimeter. Ooh. Yeah, mm. They're the only theater in the state doing it, so. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, or does the other one come out this week that you saw last night? Uh, the Farewell, yeah, that comes out yeah. this week. Okay. But yeah, I think everything's kind of steering clear mm-hmm. of The Lion King and Tarantino yeah. for yeah. this weekend, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. So, suggested viewings for this week. Why don't you start this oh, time? Oh, man. All right. Um, I guess my suggested viewing this week, uh, I didn't really see a lot of movies. I saw, uh, so I'll just say Queer Eye is back on Netflix, and it's wonderful, and it uh, made me cry. It's moving. It's feel-good uh, show for the soul, and sometimes you need that. Good. I've not seen this do-over of this it's pr- yet. It's really good. It's not like I can easily... You know, there's versions of shows where they're like, oh, we're trying to make you cry, but it's very human and honest in that and how it's approached. And it's genuinely moving. It's not like super manipulative. Okay. Yeah. So I got to check that out at some point. Michelle, yeah. what's yours? Um, I actually just watched this today. Uh, the the director's group, Astron 6, which people might know them from Manborg, the editor, Father's, Father's Day. Day. Like indie can- Canadian dudes that make movies, um, so they made like this. Sh- basically, divorced dad is about a divorced dad, and he has a dream about making a public access TV show. So he does, and so like it's like a bunch of small little episodes. It's like you know an episode of the public access TV show he makes, but you know it's Astron Six, so every episode starts out like normal, and then they they evolve into something weird. Like, they're surreal. Some of them are comedy. They, like, use the... It's almost like Tim and Eric, but, like, way darker. Like, one episode has... Turns into, like, existential horror where it it just, like... I don't know how to describe it, but they, like, play with the conventions of, like, public access TV and how, like, tape looks. And, like, uh, like there's one part where, you know, like, at the end of a a show, they'll, like, pause... Like, every pause everybody and then put the credits over top of them. Well, like, he feels... He realizes he's paused and he's, like, pulling his arms and his head out of the pause to, like... And then, like, it, it... And then it pulls him into the real world and there's, like, like, this crazy, like, Lovecraftian thing going on with that. And, like, every episode basically turns into some crazy shit like and he's just divorced dad he just wants to make a cool public access tv show but (laughs) crazy stuff keeps happening they tried they tried to release it on youtube but one of the episodes is like so fucked up that they youtube banned them off off the off the website so 
but it also has uh, one of their their last short film because apparently they aren't going to make any more stuff. They said, uh, which sucks. Yeah, yeah. they're retiring. Yeah, so hmm. that's their last of their stuff is Divorce Dad, and I think it's called Chow Boys, <laughs> uh, like about like cannibalistic cowboys. And that's, <laughs> that's a great their, title. Yeah, but that's like yeah, their, it's a great their premise too. That's their last uh, short, but it's actually like a it's like a really nice set though. It's Kino Kino Lorber released it and it's got all the shorts all some two extra shorts that never got aired like all these outtakes and stuff that it has that eight minute short on it some extras it's a really nice set so if you like astron six i would totally recommend picking that up sweet um my suggested viewing would be the new nicholas winding ruffin show too old to die young it's been out for a few weeks now and he aired all 10 episodes already all at once on amazon prime I'm only five episodes into it, but it's been a it's been a breathtaking um, L.A. crime saga and far more violent than anything in Driver. Only God forgives, and far more transgressive than anything in The Neon Demon. And it's the first time he's worked with Darius Kanji, who was the cinematographer on Seven. So he's getting some pretty pretty wild neon fluorescent images and. There's also quite a cast in it. Hideo Kojima shows up in it as a Yakuza at one point. And it's, Isn't it, every episode like a full-length movie length? Uh, the first two episodes are an hour and a half, and then it starts to shorten a bit to like an hour and ten minutes, and then it gets back to 90 minutes again. The very last episode, the last one is only 30 minutes long. So it's a weirdly structured show, but it's good. If you're a Nicholas Winding Refn fan, definitely check it out. I watched the first episode yeah. and that was a trip. I'm waiting. I'm um, gonna watch it. I can't. Yeah. Is it? Do you think it's gonna get a physical release? Have they been talking about it? I have no idea, but it's streaming in 4K UHD. That's how Amazon aired the episodes. They're all shot it looks in 4K. Really good. Looks really good. Yeah. Sweet. I'm gonna actually suggest Shazam. Shazam. I cool. do, it's just I a. Loved it. It's just a good, fun movie, and you know, I know a lot of people haven't seen it still, so I'm not gonna spoil the end. But the entire, like, concluding, like, 25 minutes, I just love the fact that my kids can watch it with me. And there's, like, I think maybe they swear, like, two times yeah. in the movie, but it's not bad. Yeah. And it's just, it's, like, really good, like, wholesome superhero mm -hmm. comic book stuff. And it never gets too violent. Yeah, it's a little scary with some of the, the demon the, yeah. things, but... Matilda got a little scared a couple times, yeah. but all in all, it's just a really enjoyable, I, I hate to say this, but it's a fun family film that yeah. you can watch together, and I really do like the big aspect of it. Mm -hmm. My wife cracked up at that with the piano yeah, you ran across and the that piano. stuff, because yeah. the stories really do kind of, they're kind of congruent yeah. with mm -hmm. each other, but yeah, Shazam, it's just, it's just fun. And it's not totally dark, even though I enjoy yeah. Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel and how dark the DC movies got. This one is like the other side of the coin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. And the acting in it's really good. So mm -hmm. I can't wait to see what they do with it next. Yeah. It's like it's the closest something has been to like a Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie. Yeah. It's or, like watching Shazam. Or to like Superman 2. Yeah. You know, it's very... It just goes back to that whole good-hearted nature thing. Mm. 
Like, he doesn't know whether he wants to be a superhero or not, yeah. and he's doing all the kid stuff, like, let's go buy a beer. Yeah. That, that and, whole scene, and then they discover beer's part. gross. Yeah. <laughs> that's my and, whole favorite part of the movie, is just them dicking around. Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's definitely one, if you haven't seen it, you should seek it out yeah. and watch it. So, on to another whole subject. <laughs> another wholesome subject, I should uh, Yeah, add. a very wholesome subject. This is a film about family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ari Aster's Midsummer, which came out, what, about four weeks ago now? Yeah. yeah Three okay. weeks ago. We've been wanting to discuss it, but we needed to get a group here of people that it all experience this movie because mm-hmm. it's not just one you watch it's one you experience mm-hmm. especially at two and a half hours of yeah. all bright sunlight yeah. mm-hmm. for the entire time it's mm-hmm. a commitment yeah so how do we want to start this one hmm midsummer uh, loving <laughs> had me a blast and then the other thing i would have done would be like uh did she slip you a pube oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's all. That's yeah. That's my notes. Okay. <laughs> the Wicker Man 2.0. In a way. In a way. Yeah. Well, I would like to discuss that. Aspect. Okay. I'll start it off this way because I feel like this film gets compared to Wicker Man, but it's it's only like Wicker Man in the shallowest sense of like aesthetics and the fact that it's just in the folk horror genre, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. all those movies share obviously like traits, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people compare it to Wicker Man in a way where like another movie that they do this with a lot is um you were never really here they compare mm-hmm. it to a uh, taxi driver yeah. when mm-hmm. they're actually polar opposite subtext wise they just have both have a person that's like you know like going crazy or whatever but yeah i would probably do like hand-to-hand combat with somebody if they said that to me if they compared those yeah. two movies they say them all the time because it. i feel mm-hmm. like people like kind of like just on a surface level so like wicker man you know is like a cop and he goes to a town and he's looking for a missing person right and then mm-hmm. like um the town like everybody is in this cult and like they're hedonistic and it's more like you know a stodgy religious person compared to paganistic like rituals and it's you know and it was like in the 70s mm-hmm. where it was like hippies versus squares that kind of thing yeah. and like the conservative people were like you know fighting against the the counterculture that's like the era that movie was made in mm-hmm. and then wicker man like if you actually look at it like i would say wicker man is more like possession than it is like um it's like midsummer is more like possession than it is like yeah. wicker man it's yeah. more about a, a relationship that's disintegrating and it has a dressing over the top and in possession it's a there's a demon movie going on you know a monster movie that's like trip too yeah. yeah so there's like this all this like trappings of like demonic activities and monsters and and satanist type stuff but it's about a relationship that's disintegrating and midsummer is about uh it's got all this cult folk horror stuff going on but it's also about a relationships that's disintegrating mm-hmm. so I, I don't know i feel like people compare it not, not i mean i know why you brought it because obviously it looks like wicker man mm-hmm. but i feel like it's a disservice to say that it's just a copy of it that a lot of people yeah. say like oh it's just wicker man part two a reboot and it's not it's like just they they're just folk horror movies they all have an aesthetic that's like saying you know every slasher movie is halloween forever like just because they're all slasher yeah. movies yeah. right mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so that's my little yeah 
rant. The end. <laughs> we were talking about the running time of the movie. There's an even longer cut coming out. Yeah, yeah. it's been three hours. Three hours and and the original NC-17 cut of the film because the film that they released in theaters uh, really does push the boundaries of the R rating pretty mm-hmm. hard. Like I mean, as there's far like as it male frontal nudity in it. I ca- I thought that was Insta MC- NC17. Not anymore, it isn't. Oh. If if it, it like it can't be erect, it has to be like a semi chub. Oh, that's actually think, the thing. Do you think there's like some <laughs> like measures how erect the penis is? Like, no, nope, that's too hard, too hard. That's actually like that's Soften actually that they literally talked about that. Like, I think there was some <laughs> interview that Ari Esther did where he was talking about how they had to like resubmit it because of that guy's dick was like so. Like, there's it can only be soft. It it can be it can't be like. How? Yeah, right. I, I have two questions. And sure. Any of Go you, for any it. three of you can answer this. Sure. <laughs> well, Michelle can't because she's never had an erection. Yeah. Number you don't one, know me. Oh yeah. Let's, okay. Yeah. Hey. Um, let's assume. <laughs> all of a sudden, never mind. Um, I'm just not going to start. Yeah. Uh, how would you get an erection in front of that many people? Why would you want to get an erection in front of that many people? And third, again, how could you get an erection? Oh, for sure. Isn't there such a thing as nervous boners? There are totally, there's totally nervous boners. Really? Isn't there a thing where, like, don't guys get boners and they're, like, in there in school and they're like, oh, no, I got to go up to the the chalkboard and then you need to get a nervous boner? I thought they drugged them, didn't they? Yeah, I thought the drugs were causing the, yeah. No, that's not true. (laughs) Because near the end, the whole, uh, the screen is starting to wobble oh, yeah. and move mm. about and no what like i was saying is like doing a full frontal nude scene yeah. like mm-hmm. that like it it can't be erect at all maybe he's just into it but I, that's right but he didn't have uh, a boner in the movie that's true or they cut out the boner right. maybe, yeah, maybe they cut it out mm-hmm. maybe there's gonna be extra boner in this new that's, edition that's what it is it's just well, 30 minutes of it's just 30 minutes of his boner raw like like hard zoom i mean because if he was erect during that scene i'd be like dude there's something wrong with you yeah it's a little weird or he's you know? just method yeah <laughs> maybe you had mentioned uh the comparison to possession i can definitely see that with florence how do you pronounce her name Pew. florence Pugh's uh acting goes from uh starts out histrionic and just continues to go past 11 for the entire mm-hmm. duration of the movie and until um she achieves transcendence yeah. it's not really clear yeah when she's giving that smirk at the end where she, what plane of reality and consciousness she's at. Or maybe it's like either she's, she's either a, oh, just so anybody listening, if you've not seen Midsummer, we're yeah. spoilers. Yeah. Just, yeah. Avoid this podcast. Avoid this podcast until yeah. you've seen it. Um, but I always felt like the end, like, yeah, you could read it either as a, she's happy because she finally feels accepted or she's like her mind broke, you know, right yeah. at the end. Like she's just like crazy now. Like, I go, with choice number one because i think the entire movie that's what she's seeking she's never she's been she's never been accepted i mean from the mm. beginning of the movie with the sister committing suicide and killing the parents um yeah. along with herself this girl has been put through the ringer it's in like she wants to be accepted by her boyfriend's friends yeah. but she isn't because yeah. they're like this chick's crazy right. yeah. yeah you know there's something else going on up there with yeah. her mm-hmm. whether it's bad or good i don't know mm-hmm. but they were never accepting of her and through the entire movie they treat her like she's the red-headed stepchild mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah we want nothing to do with you and she- finally she finds these people that are on the same 
level as her. Yeah, wavelength. Yeah. Or wavelengths. Mm-hmm. Even though they're batshit crazy. For sure. Yeah. But I think that's that was what I walked away from. Like, oh, mm-hmm. she finally feels like, okay, they might be a little nuts, but you know what? She I'm kept, the queen. They, they may be nuts, but, you know, they're not that guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, like I had, I've had this conversation with people online about the character of Christian and and how the movie so like I feel like Christian like his the point of his character is that he's lazy and entitled mm-hmm. so like I we get that he wants to break up with her and obviously we let's just get this out there you shouldn't have to stay in a relationship with somebody absolutely it's 100% your prerogative if you want to date somebody or not but if you don't want to date them then you need to break up with him, you know. But he wants everything done for him. Like, yes. Like mm-hmm. it's it's also indicative later in the film when he wants he kind of gloms off that other guy's uh what he's gonna do is uh, what's it called the thesis the thesis mm-hmm. he's like oh yeah we'll just share it so ba- like like everything in his life he just pawns off mm-hmm. and pushes on the other people to do for him because mm-hmm. he's lazy and entitled. And I feel like a lot of people are like, well, he didn't deserve to die at the end. But, like, you got to think of it, like, this movie, like, thematically and, mm-hmm. like, within the confines of the universe of the movie. Like, in real life, do I think some guy should be, like, burned to death in a bear suit for not wanting to date a girl? No, that's, like, yeah. ridiculous. But within the confines of th- this movie, it, it's, like, cathartic to see him finally, like, have to feel what she felt. Because mm-hmm. the entire film, she has all this internal turmoil that she's not allowed to express because anytime she does, mm-hmm. people admonish her for it, right? And at the end of the film... He's unable to speak, he's unable to move, and he's burning to death and unable to express the pain of burning to death. So he was basically put into the same situation mm. that she's been in the entire movie. Like, But it's like, you know, a metaphor for that. Like, be- being like in-, in incredible amounts of pain, but being unable to express said pain to other people, right? Yeah. So yeah. he, that's why she he finally, like, experienced what she's been experiencing the entire film. So, like, if you look at it in, like, that kind of light, as in, like, you know... It's like poetic justice, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, is it mean? Yeah, it's a fucking horror movie. Of course it's mean. Yeah. Like, we're not here to be, like, nice, you know? See, like, with him, I didn't feel like he deserved what he got. Like, I felt like, yeah, he's kind of a jackass and kind of immature yeah. and, like, latching on to everybody else's stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. like, with mm-hmm. the thesis. Now, the other ones, like, all those right. dick bags. Yeah. yeah. Like, I felt like, yeah, like, you peed on that sacred tree, dude. You know what? In certain places, they're going to kill you for that. They are going to take you out. And I think that they got their just desserts. Mm -hmm. Now him. I was going to say Will Poulter. God, after seeing him in uh, Detroit as the main antagonistic cop in that film, he's he's destined to play an asshole in every film. And he plays probably the least likable character in Midsommar. <laughs> the one that I was the happiest to see go down. Mm. Yeah, we were calling him Vape Guy. He's carved <laughs> a niche as like the most punchable face in the world. Yeah. yeah. Wait, he seems like a lovely guy out of character, though. I he's a really say. good actor. Like, anything yeah. I've ever seen him in, like, he always nails whatever role mm. is they've given him. Like, he's oh, really yeah. good in uh, Bandersnatch, too. I lo- yeah, I loved him in Bandersnatch. He was really cool in that. He's very good at making you hate him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and the funny thing is that he was initially going to play Pennywise in oh, it. Yeah, he, that would have been great. Cool. <laughs> that would have been great. Uh, yeah. He bailed because he didn't want to get typecast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, like you kind of already are. is. Well, yeah. Dude, yeah. 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 You kind of are already. Yeah. But yeah, this 
there's a lot of subcontext going on mm-hmm. in this movie. A lot of stuff about religion, a lot of stuff about culture, mm-hmm. and yeah. a lot of stuff about how we Americans, not all of us, mm-hmm. behave when we are in it's a, it's other a, places. It's a lot of Americans. Yeah. To, com- yeah. to compare and contrast it to uh, Hereditary, it's got many of the same very mm-hmm. brutal shocks with the, the very um, elongated... Uh, reaction shots of the other yeah. characters but in contrast uh, hereditary is a very dimly lit film and this is as bright as a sun lamp mm. for most of the picture thing. yeah it's like yeah. overexposed almost yeah. like i feel like he both of his films have been about grief and how you handle mm-hmm. grief i don't know if that's something he I think it's just going to end up being a motif in his work. Or yeah. Maybe he's getting something out of the system. I know he was going through a breakup when he made yeah. Midsummer, and actually he changed what Midsummer was about. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> it was like originally like a slasher film, like yeah. a Scandinavian. Yeah, thing. And, and then you know, so I think he's working through some shit. Oh, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, as a guy who's you know, I've been experienced that kind of grief. You watch uh, both Hereditary and Midsummer. And they're they're both films about grief, but they're also about like the death of relationships. Yes. With Hereditary, it's the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. It's this family that's just trapped in this horrible, horrible situation, and they can't even like communicate. That's how powerful their grief is. Mm-hmm. And that transfers into Midsummer, which uses like the folk horror thing as kind of like the sheen outside of a movie about a really, really toxic and terrible relationship. Mm-hmm. Both and, movies deal with, not to cut you off, both no. movies deal with transcendence as well. Mm. In the last act, uh, the main character transcends not where they want to be, but to a higher plane of existence yeah. and consciousness at the very, very end of the picture for for both of the main characters. But anyway, continue. Well, I, I think that's true. I think they do find, like, you talked about, like, transcendence. It is kind of like self-actualization. Mm-hmm. But it's a fucked up self-actualization. Yeah. Right. Like one of them is I'm going to become a fucking ancient demon king. Mm-hmm. And the other is I'm the May Queen of this beautiful yeah. Swedish <laughs> thing. But she finds a family. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's an interesting aspect of that, uh, of his story. And I would love to know more about him just watching these two movies. It's in, I, I've it's just interesting. I've never really considered, like you said, transcendence in both movies. I've never really considered transcendence in a negative connotation, but it mm-hmm. is. It's a negative transcendence in hereditary. Mm-hmm. I've never really thought of that. Like I always, I for some reason I always think of transcendence as like a a positive thing, mm-hmm. or like a, maybe or a it's terrible of, movie with a religious Jones. thing. That yeah. Too. Oh my god, that movie is really bad. <laughs> but like, even you could make you could say that uh, to compare something completely unrelated uh, martyrs deals mm-hmm. with that on some mm-hmm. level that's true that's a negative transcendence wow i don't know why it's blowing my mind right now but i just always thought of it as like a good thing but i guess yeah yeah that's interesting mm-hmm. it, yeah but what do you guys think so the look of midsummer mm-hmm. like i don't know like it feels so i feel like it's there's a lot of dread in this movie yeah I, and the whole time, like, mm-hmm. even when nothing bad's going on, it just feels like something's off. And it's probably because the lighting is unnatural. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. oh, it's intentionally overexposed. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I, noticing just from a cinematography point, it's framed very oppressively. Mm-hmm. You have, this like, these really bright colors, but there's these long, like, kind of detached shots. Like, you're, deta- you're detaching from reality in the same way that uh, Danny is. So you have these moments like the scene on the cliff 
where like it's like framed and it looks so real. Like I, I shudder thinking. It's about like you're it. actually there. It's yeah. you're there. What Ari Aster has done, especially with the cinematography, is most horror movies don't have that like kind of powerful stomach churning effect on me. I go, oh, that's a movie. This I'm like, oh fuck, oh god, what what the fuck is wrong with this dude? Holy shit, his mm-hmm. leg just like split <laughs> in two. I mean, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of balls to do horror in the light because. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one, effects look better in the dark, right? Because you, it's you know, you it's can up, hide things. You can yeah. hide things, mm-hmm. but he's like, like your makeup and your special effects gotta be on point if you're gonna have smash cuts, the close-ups of gore and broad daylight. Like mm-hmm. that's ballsy move. And I feel like also, like you said, like you know, the lighting being overexposed, and also just it, it's like unsettling to you because usually when you watch a horror movie, it's dark, and you're mm-hmm. like, and and everybody's got that innate fear of the dark. I feel like yeah. on a like on a deep down level, but in the light, that's where you're supposed to be safe. Nothing ha- bad happens in mm-hmm. the light, you know, quote unquote, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a place of comfort. Yeah, so he's taking a place of comfort and, and making it uncomfortable, and it's just like double whammy, I guess, of like that feeling. Well, it works with the culture shock of the movie. You know, you have these American and the uh, English college students coming to this place where they don't really know, and you, you would assume, oh, it's bright and shiny. It's safe, and it gradually kind of unravels that this place is super dangerous and that they should get out of there. Art plays a big role in both movies as well, Mm -hmm. whether it's the miniatures that uh, Tony Collette is crafting that become more and more grotesque as the film progresses. And the very first image we see in Midsommar is this tapestry of the sunlight and the pagan cult. And later in the film, the camera's passing by these paintings that are contain indescribable obscenities and uh, things like genital mutilation and a number of obscene images but both of those movies both of those movies connect art in a way that uh, progresses the grotesquerie of the story mm-hmm. well so when we were talking about the cinematography even some of the scenes like at the very end when they're just like focusing on her face and she has all the flowers around her mm-hmm. yeah it looks like a painting yeah it literally yeah. does it has that visual feel and the texture of a painting all these super bright colors that you're focused on and her face like dead center mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but another thing the movie in that realm reminded me of a lot was annihilation yes mm. yeah that a was lot the of the movement one. of the flowers and that kind of stuff i yeah. was like oh man he's taking a lot of visual cues mm-hmm. from annihilation here mm-hmm. which is good i like when people yeah. do stuff like that. the whole third mm-hmm. act of it reminded me a lot of how i felt watching an, the end of annihilation yeah. where it's that same like overwhelming kind of thing um because i rewatched annihilation just for fun um, and it even has like kind of a similar edit mm-hmm. way. And like if you watch Midsummer, it's cut very like normal, and then it kind of gets more and more experimental with the Ramps images, up. and like the pictures start blurring together, and you can't quite tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I really love that escalation. Like Ari Aster and his, the people who make this movie really use the whole like uh, craft and form. They don't just have shit popping out at you. They like use sounds or like rhythm or just moments or linger right. on something too long or like it's so tightly crafted that you kind of like go, oh yeah, there's artistry in horror. Mm-hmm. He's very good at like, and you kind of touched on this too. He's very good at hiding things in the background that are actually very, very important mm-hmm. to what's going on in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when I rewatched Hereditary, I noticed like all this crazy stuff. Like the third time I watched it, I was like, dude, like I noticed like little lights like on things that made stuff happen. And like, you know, I, I noticed there were cult members like in every pretty much every scene where there were other people and like yeah. all this stuff. And then Midsummer, um, all the all the paintings in the background and the tapestries, like a lot of them uh, actually are foreshadowing for mm-hmm. things that happen later. Mm-hmm. When they first get there, those people that are dancing around, yeah. they're like, oh, what's that dance called? Skin the Fool. Yeah. What he says. And then they yeah. skin or, the fool. Yep. Yeah. And then there's that tapestry they pan over where it has the girl putting her pubes in their, in their yeah. period blood in the food. And then later, and you know what's funny is they never really like say it out loud really mm-hmm. you just i was just looking at his food and i'm like why is his drink more red than everybody else's and then mm-hmm. he finds the pube and i was like <gasps> yeah but they never they never bring up the period blood thing you just know that's in there because you remember mm-hmm. that tapestry you saw earlier mm-hmm. and then later she's like he's like i think i found a pube in my food yeah but like you know funny thing is that's actually based on a real legend like that's actually a thing women like used to do like it's an old wives tale that you could like mix your period blood into their food and then a guy will fall in love with you so it wasn't like he just made that up either. I was like, man, that's like, yeah. I didn't, you know, I've never seen it really used in a movie, but. That's um, how my parents met. <laughs> 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 this is semi-autobiographical for me. <laughs> so one thing I've wondered since I've seen the movie is I believe his character was Pele. He was the one that was from the, yeah, the village, from, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That brought them there. Yeah. On purpose, yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Do you think that he was focused on her. Do you think he knew? Because he was pretty, like, centered on her. A lot mm-hmm. of the movie, talking to her and trying to coddle her and I be nice he to her. her. I think yeah. he like liked her, like, wanted to be with her kind of thing. So do you think that he was kind of prepping her for all of this? I think so. I think so. From when I saw it the second time, it felt more like he was kind of putting the moves on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit. When you watch it the first time, what I got was, oh, this was a guy who's just being kind of genuine. Like, yes, he's part of this cult, but he does seem to he seems to care about her more than the other guys in that group do. And, For and sure. Which is it's... sort of what is appealing to her is like, yes, they're like a cult, but they at least treat her like a person. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the medium that approaches Tony Collette and Hereditary mm-hmm. and that they're it seems like they're just trying to be friendly, but they actually have a secret mission. Yeah. And they want the people they're pursuing to be not necessarily a pawn, but they they wanna they wanna have them fulfill this role that uh, that they've been seeking for. Yeah. But I don't think it's as uh, I don't know if it's as malicious as it is in Hereditary where it's the goal to bring back Pyman. I think it's just or payment. I think it's just he sees this person as someone who could be a part of their society. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe he knows that she is kind of emotionally compromised. Yeah. Compromised. Well, he said also that both his parents are dead as well. So he yeah. had that uh, he had that connection with her. Like like he empathized with how she felt because he too also went through the same thing. Like that when they talk about it when they're sitting on a bed and he's like, you know, my parents died in the fire and the mm. and and the cult and we well, doesn't say cult, but he's like the community raised mm-hmm. me and and I never I never wanted for affection and I never felt lonely and he's like you can have that you I I want you to have that too I I know how you feel because you know her whole family's dead too so I feel like the, I I bet you what the catalyst was her parents dying. And once he found that out, I bet that's when he was like, hmm, and like was like, maybe yeah. I'll bring her to my cult so that we can make her the, the queen or whatever, the May queen. And I think he liked her. I think he wanted to like yeah. date her. 
But Black instead, Adam. he's like, oh, I'll just he's bring like, you just to my village. Bring you to my cool village. Well, he still can date her, and now she's single. That's, hey. Uh-huh. hey. <laughs> that's like the weirdest way to slide into someone's yeah. DMs. With a- <laughs> What's your take on the uh, overhead uh, dinner dinner time shots where they wait for the two main queen and the, the main king and queen to start fumbling with their silverware, and then everybody follows in unison? Mm-hmm. That happens twice in the movie, and I, I wasn't sure what... Uh, what he was getting at with that moment. I'm not sure. I think they're just uh, just weird things that are going on. Yeah. Like I feel like it's just some of it's just to be like what's the most bizarre thing you could be doing right now mm-hmm. and then have mm-hmm. the cult do it just to make it unsettling. Mm-hmm. Cuz I I like that a lot of the stuff the cult did was never ex- like explained. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. was never some of it was, but there a lot of it was just left to be mysterious. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that what's funny about that is that it's what we always say about horror movies like mm-hmm. the, the things they don't show you are the things that are the most horrific the things that exist yeah. in the dark or in the closet or in the corner are the things that you should really be scared of mm-hmm. and here yeah. it's like oh the sun's shining on you yeah and we're doing it all right here for you to see mm-hmm. we'll be a little mysterious about it but yeah. there's still tons of crazy ass stuff going on all there's, the time there's a scene in there near the end that actually topped some of the imagery in Hellraiser and Event Horizon where this guy is hung with his arms out and his lungs are yeah. coming out of his back and you can see them inhaling and exhaling. Yeah. He was like a butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. With his lungs for wings. Yeah. I thought, like, just, the, just it just blows my mind that Ari Aster, these are, like, his two movies. This like, is his second movie. His second movie is better than some people's, like, 80th movie. Like it's Better than some people's entire filmography. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. so, he's such a, like, a technical director. Mm-hmm. Like, just every shot has a meaning. Every I mean, the way he does cuts, the edits have meaning. Like, every, just every single aspect of his films is so, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like with a purpose, mm-hmm. you know, it's motivated. It's mo. He has a motivation behind everything, and and every and his movies are richer when you rewatch them. Yeah. Like the third time I watched Hereditary, I saw more stuff yeah. I didn't notice. It's like mm-hmm. I, if you watch some of his old uh, shorts, actually, that he did. Um, like the, I think the, the thesis Johnsons. film. Yeah, yeah. that's cra- that. I can't believe that's his thesis. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, like that's 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 an, it's an incredible uh, short film. Yeah, like, it's just. It's on YouTube if anyone yeah. wants to watch. If you want to see where he started playing around with the, with what his, like you know his tropes and stuff that his yeah. style. If you want to feel really bad, yes, it's, also it's it up. might actually be more extreme than the, his two features. Yeah. yeah. Well, probably because there's nobody rating it. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you if you if you have a depression playlist, play all of Ari Aster's movies and. Mm. Yeah. And you'll be messed up after. You'll be, yeah, you'll be fine. There was an interview with Ari Aster when uh, Hereditary came out, and the first thing that the reporter asked him was, "You okay, buddy?" That's how I felt after seeing Midsummer. I'm like, "Who hurt you, man?" But he doesn't seem like that depressed whenever you yeah. watch him in interviews. He's very animated yeah. and like, I mean, not to say that I guess depression is not a look to it, mm. but he just doesn't come off like as a Lars von Trier, you know? Yeah. Like, like you know, like how he is. Like he, he's very. I feel like he's just working through some mm. stuff via that, movies. Yeah, that picture of him smiling. He's got a sweater and tie, and he's got a cup of tea. He's got this like delighted look on his face. It's like, yeah, I'm the, I'm so jipper and happy. I'm the guy who made Hereditary. <laughs> 
I mean, I think some of it is probably, yeah, you know, the relationship stuff and, you know, maybe there's some psychiatric stuff going on back there. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of these guys truly like to just terrify other people. absolutely. And it's about the art and putting forth their best effort at shocking us. Mm -hmm. I mean, like the sex scene in this movie. It's hilarious. It's hilarious <laughs> and brutal and like absolutely and disgusting at the and... same time. I mean, if that woman touched my ass and was pushing me in, I'd be your, like helping your stroke game. Like, yeah. What's happening happen, here? Happen, what was your take on the uh, the chorus of moans that were going along with her moaning, and then Florence Pugh catches them, runs away screaming and crying, and then everybody starts screaming and crying in tune with her. What was your take on that scene? I think. My take on it was it, it's a community thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the whole communal ideal that they have, because they, they moan together in that scene and it's almost yeah. like a chorus mm-hmm. and there's like a rhythm to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing when they're all screaming together, when one yeah. of them's in pain and they all cry and scream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was all this thing of if we're going to do this, we're going to do this together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I mean, it's kind of sick and twisted, Yeah, but it also kind of shines light on like, well, maybe our culture is kind of screwed up because we don't like really support each other enough. For, mm-hmm. And for these this, people are like mm-hmm. backing each other up no matter what. Yeah. For this mm-hmm. group of people who, you know, they're united. I, I took it as it was, they were, sympathetic for what for Danny I mean they set it up they knew it was going to go down but they probably didn't want to like really upset her but they knew that she had this had to happen so that she could really become the May Queen Mm -hmm. so that was kind of where I I took it and same with the scene where they're all waiting for them for dinner they just worship these people Mm -hmm. they they don't have like an individual identity they just live and die for the May Queen Mm -hmm. and like I said it's all part of they're a gang. Mm-hmm. They're a gang, about- and they will do whatever they can to support the gang. Let's talk about the face smashing. Oh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> really quick. John Allen said hello, Andrew. Hello. He said you're a crazy roommate. He hates you. And that <laughs> you made him suffer through some movies. Yeah, and then I Frank did. Zito just said he started moaning along in the theater, which I think a lot of people <laughs> Ever, Everyone did. Yeah, that's true. Everyone, everyone at my screening just couldn't stop moaning. <laughs> Even after the movie, usher, like, huh? yeah, the usher grabbed my ass. It was really, weird. <laughs> it was a really weird experience. That's that forty. That's the yeah, the forty. That was the forty experience. It turns out I didn't even see the movie. I just showed up. Tagline: Feel all the feels. <laughs> feel all the feels. It's the interact. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interactive show. The interactive Ari Aster experience. <laughs> What with, were you going to say, what Andrew? They just with, with, with smashing faces like pumpkins. <laughs> I'm, Despite all my rage, I'm still just a bear in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they smashed that first head, mm-hmm. like that was one of those, <gasps> oh my God, moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially because the camera doesn't cut away. Well, I thought, you know, interestingly, before that, so, you know, there's a, they drop a little hint, like, I think they said what happens after 71 or 74. I can't remember what age he, he said. And he was like, you know, like they, but he doesn't really say they die, but he just makes the, you know, mm-hmm. motion. And then, so when they had those two old people come out for the thing, I thought they were going to be like poisoning or drinks or something. Yeah. I knew they were going to die, but I just didn't know when. But then when they drank their drinks and they didn't die or, and they were cool, I was like, oh, 
well, maybe I thought I was thinking yeah. too much into it. And then the cliff, I was like, oh, nope, never mind. <laughs> That's what happens. But do you, oh, so I guess you get you guys probably remember my controversial take that it's a comedy. It's I don't think a it's dark I comedy. Don't, I don't think it's controversial. I Ari Oster said it was a comedy. Yeah, right? he said it was a comedy, but I also the frustration reading that argument is, yeah, it's a horror movie, but it can also be a dark comedy. Yeah, it could be two things. Film isn't like you can't limit something like this, which is nearly three hours of okay. things to interpret. Horror fans saying that this isn't a comedy, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two is a comedy. Yeah, it, it, Texas Chainsaw get... Massacre two is a comedy. Mm-hmm. This but... can be a comedy too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just got so much pushback on that. I was like, like I was, I was like, how is I'm, I'm like thinking like maybe I'm just a fucked up person because I thought this was funny. No, there's funny stuff in that. There's genuinely funny things in but this movie. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's like, nothing's funny in it all. No, it's like, funny in it. You can't if, laugh. You can't feel things. If you <laughs> if you can't have humor in a horror film, then you're just gonna laugh at the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I just like seeing that argument. I I'd say, well, you really can't categorize it as one or the other. That's part of why it works. Yeah. It's a relationship drama. It's a dark comedy. It's a cult horror film. It's all these things. You know, it is kind of limiting just to say, oh, well, you know, it's elevated horror. Yeah. It, Which is the worst term. I yeah. hate that term so much. What is, <laughs> what is elevated horror? It's just a nice. A24 horror movie. Yeah. Basically. It's oh. just a nice way to jerk yourself <laughs> off while yeah. liking, well, like being able to admit you liked a horror movie. It is. Like some critics, mm. like, think it's beneath them to like horror movies. And then so, like, a, you know, Hereditary comes out. And all these other movies, and are in they're like, you know, oh, it's elevated horror. Like, have you not seen any horror movie Horror's previous back. to like last year? Like, there's all kinds of like horror movies that have serious themes and like art house stuff. I mean, they didn't see It Follows. Yeah, well, yeah. that was when they that's they were calling the, that. Yeah, that's one of the original OGs of elevated. Yeah, I mean, but it existed long before that. Oh, of course, yeah. The yeah. Exorcist got a Best Picture Oscar nomination. And yeah. Silence of the Lambs won the Best Picture mm-hmm. Academy Or what about, Award. like, Rosemary's Baby? That's a, a very artfully constructed film Yeah, mm-hmm. that is also a horror movie. Or what about... Um, and a comedy. There is a lot of humor. Or, yeah. Like you said earlier, Possession. I yeah. mean, the narrative in that movie yeah. is so damn hard to follow, mm-hmm. but it's still, I would say that's elevated horror people that say elevated horror have seen like five horror movies ever yeah it's it's just no it's like it's baby film critics and they talk about it at uh starbucks yeah yeah Yeah, of course like just say you liked a horror movie and it had art house trappings or something like we already have words to describe this like horror it's not embarrassing to enjoy things yeah Mm-hmm. And then you never see it applied to any other genre. Like, yeah. have you ever heard of elevated westerns? No. I've never heard of elevated. <laughs> I've never heard of elevated comedy. Yeah, it's just like, it's well, just good I mean, or bad. You know? By saying elevated, you're basically saying it's yeah. like sub-level you're, you're entertainment. On everything yeah. else and taking yeah. it up to a different level. I mean, there are thousands of amazing horror films mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. even that are way better than this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would never say elevated horror. Yeah, The, the Shining. Yeah, yeah, masterpiece. I just, I just think that term is so stupid mm-hmm. and useless. It means nothing. Well, we live in the age where people have to throw out terms to yeah. define yeah. anything. It can't just mm-hmm. be what it is. We need you have to the source. Add. Well, a lot of yeah. writers like to invent a term so that they can yeah. say they invented it. Mm-hmm. Like there was mm-hmm. that elevated horror came from like an article some guy wrote. Yeah, and he was like. It's elevated heart. I was like, when since when was this? He's a like, thing? I want my mm-hmm. manic pixie dream girl moment. 
you can't have it. You can't have yeah, it. I'm taking your Cool Ranch Doritos, taking, too. You're not taking my Cool Ranch Doritos. Oh, yes, I'll I am. I'll fucking fight. <laughs> Hurt tacos. Fisticuffs are going to happen. <laughs> pulled pork. I love fisticuffs. And pulled pork. It's a fun oh word gosh. to say. Fisticuffs. Is, is this thing still in theaters, too? It, I believe is. So. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's at like nine nine a.m. <laughs> like yeah, p.m. at night. No, I'm just wondering if this did as well as Hereditary it or did, you know, worse it, than Hereditary. Not that it matters. It, I don't think it did as well as Hereditary yeah. did. Hereditary's A24's highest grossing release. I think oh, like, okay, close okay. to like eighty million, and this wow. did like like twelve, twenty. 20 I think mil? it did pretty good That's for pretty being good a niche for horror. What it is. Yeah, a two and a half hour horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's no like other real movie you can compare it to except maybe Hereditary. Yeah, mm-hmm. and even then, like Hereditary is more audience friendly than this. Yeah. It's a lot shorter too, and yeah. it's a lot harder to get an audience to have the patience mm-hmm. to. Uh, you know to that same experience. That's another thing that cracks me up about this. All the people going on and on and on. It doesn't need another thirty minutes. You know, I'm one of those people that if you give me a three-hour movie, I will sit down and happily mm. enjoy that three-hour movie. I like when I can actually have an experience with getting deeper into these characters yeah. and the themes and the story. And this I could see easily another half hour. Yeah, I just don't get like why people are so obsessed with runtimes. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it's too long to wait in the yeah. theater, but you can, like, binge a show on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it's the same yeah. amount of time. People sit there and watch eight hours of Stranger Things Absolutely. in a row. Yeah. And then be like, three hours in the movie oh, theater. Oh, yeah, I can't, I can't do I, I can't a, do Midsummer. I can't I do job. Endgame. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have a job and a, and a small bladder. I have to, <laughs> my small bladder job. I can't go see We've, movies. And they got to tell audiences before they see the movie, these are the parts you can get up and go to the bathroom. Yeah, at. yeah. What the f- like that? That's a whole industry now. You can make so much money off of people like, like, like I go to the bathroom. You could the make. Movie. Dude, we should make mm-hmm. offshoot of Movie Sleuth where it's like peebreak.com. Yeah, and we just, <laughs> and and we it just... should just route to just one thing. It's fuck you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's a whole domain just decided to insult people. <laughs> oh, you but suck. But seriously, peebreak.com, and then like that's it's an got investment. like timestamps, like best time to take mm. peepees. I'm sure that would. Like, oh, you'd make somebody. you'd make so much money. Absolutely, Let's do it. I wonder what he's going to do next after this. Well, he is doing the longer cut of the film, and I was going to ask about this. Did you guys feel the ending started to jump around a bit? Because I felt that's where some of the thirty minutes were cut. Was yeah, in the last it felt act. that you know, as someone who's edited films, um, it did feel like that was the moment where I was like, wait, okay, that was kind of a weird cut, but it wasn't like. It wasn't like a terrible thing. It was just like, oh yeah, they probably cut something that was it's like probably just it killed was, the momentum. That's where all the intense stuff is. Maybe a lot of those cuts were for the for rating. purpose. They're motivated mm-hmm. too to yeah. keep the to keep the R tension yeah. going too. Yeah, to hide the chub too. <laughs> so and the the longer cut is getting a theatrical release. They already announced that oh, really? later this summer it's it's that. coming to theaters, but it's going to be limited because it's going to be NC seventeen. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> There'll probably at least be one place showing it around here. Maybe yeah. in the main arc. Yeah. They still play NC-17. I would go see it. I would, yeah, I would too. See it. I would go see it in a second. So if you guys had to choose between the two, Hereditary and this, what, would you pick one? Or do you think they're both on such different wavelengths that you really can't pick? I still kind of prefer Hereditary, but they're so different. It's hard mm-hmm. to compare them other than they're by the same director. And they share similarities and kindred themes. Mm-hmm. But... But 
personally, I like I got more. I was more affected by Hereditary personally. Yeah, yeah. I like I think, Midsummer better, mm-hmm. just a little bit, only because I like cult. I like folk horror more than I like supernatural stuff. Yeah. So I felt it was like more my jam, like the aesthetic of Midsummer was more my thing. You know, I'm torn. I really, <laughs> I really like both of them, but for very different reasons. Mm-hmm. I think Hereditary is a fine horror movie, but it's also a really profound uh, tale of grief. It's it like if you cut out the horror elements, you still have a really compelling movie. Um, what I like about Midsummer is that it is like a folk fairy tale. It's like an adult fairy tale about mm-hmm. like a really toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. I have to see Midsummer again both, before I finalize my whole thing on it. Both films are really transgressive, but Hereditary is a lot more frightening, mostly because of how it uses uh, light and shadow. And mm-hmm. not to say that you can't make a frightening film in broad daylight, but between the two of them, I found Hereditary more frightening. Also, Hereditary has a really great sound mix. Like mm-hmm. some of the best soundtracking yeah, yeah. I've heard in a movie, like the clicks throughout it yeah. are just. Or the base, I watched the it at loops. my boyfriend's house because he hadn't seen it, and he has like a really good surround sound system. Mm-hmm. And I have a sound bar which is garbage. Oh man, it's it's like so one good. step up from like TV speakers. But mm-hmm. his surround sound, I was like, dude, it was like amazing on his surround sound. Like like you said, the clicks would like come from behind you. Yeah, and, like, it's everywhere. It's yeah. attacking. When I saw that in the theater, that was the thing that really stuck stood out with me and my dad. Was it was just coming from every yeah. like different speaker. It bounces, mm-hmm. and a lot of movies just do kind of like the one or two speaker thing. But it was using that like the full, setup, the full sound yeah. field, the full sound field, to add to the unease. I think mm-hmm. that's what really watching Midsummer and Hereditary. I just love that he uses like the entire tools of the craft. I just I love that because some people it's just like shit pops out at you, mm-hmm. and, and it's so easy to just it's yeah. really easy. With this, it's just like building and playing with your expectations and and. I mean, he he does discomfort. like to use he uses like smash cuts. Yeah. Instead of like jump scares, mm-hmm. um, which I really I do like though, and I also like, uh, like you say, he doesn't really do jump scares. He just like shows you. He just pulls the rug out from under you. It's mm-hmm. like a jump scare, but like not like boo. It's more like situation's really fucked up, and I thought something else was going on. Yeah. Now this is happening, and like what's happening? Like he just like. Basically, it's almost like, you know, you're going down a hill in the car and all of a sudden your brakes fail. And then you swerve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're just like, whoa, whoa. Like the, the cliff thing, you're like, oh, yeah, maybe the old people. And then they're like jumping off the thing. And then the other person that like jumps off, but they don't die. You're like, oh, God, it's so horrible. And then like you just yeah. smash in your face with a big mallet. And you're just like, what the fuck's happening? Like, yeah. you are the characters mm. at that well, moment. Well, he just, he yeah. kind of lets the, lets the scene play out. Yeah. A lot of people are just, let's like do it for the maximum amount of thing. Right. He uses it to just kind of like mess with you and, and really like play with your expectations. I think Which that he lets it well. unfold in real time is yeah. what uh, what gives it its impact because mm-hmm. it's so easy to do a jump scare, but mm-hmm. the most effective scenes in both movies are drawn out. Just long like takes where it fills up a whole frame, mm-hmm. and it's like I, w- I will never unsee the shot of the decapitated girl in Hereditary, mm-hmm. where it's it's like maybe like a ten second scene. Not even. Yeah. It's burned in there because he just lets you like sit with it. Even the shot of the brother in the bedroom mm-hmm. where it's just it's a it's literally just a kid in bed and the camera's pulling out. Mm-hmm. And you just hear stuff. And that's more effective than some that people do in the rest of the decapitation scene in Hereditary, that is one of the craziest shots in years probably. Yeah. yeah. And nobody expected to see that, yeah. So mm. when it happened, like it's just, thud, oh. it's yeah. perfectly executed because not only does he 
decapitator he then like doesn't show her head and then goes through a whole big long thing of like him sitting there for a minute going oh shit he's in shock him driving home him getting out of the car him going to bed him lying in the bed all him sleeping him hearing his mom discovering the head and crying yeah. and then the head like he did like there's a, a, a build a lesser director oh, yeah. would have smashed cut to that head right after it happened yeah mm-hmm. but he's smart and he let he it build lets up you linger to, yeah and feel every moment of it when i first saw mm-hmm. that movie i had to walk out just to go oh fuck okay it's a movie yeah mm-hmm. like just to get my bearings again mm-hmm. like i this guy's movies just have a powerful effect on me mm-hmm. and it, it, ha- it also happened during midsummer yeah. Where I just had to go like, oh, I need a minute. <laughs> had, to, had to excuse yourself from yeah, the Yeah, it was it was when, it was with the mallet that kind of I was like, oh. Well, it's also interesting that it kind of subverts like the the trope of of, you know, foreigners. This is like a used a lot in horror movies. Like a really good example of it is Cannibal Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the 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 idea of Americans like, you know, colonizers or whatever coming into another country and being brutalized because like a you're not supposed to be there anyway and b mm-hmm. trying to like interfere with like the lo- the local populace you know yeah so then you have like these americans and they're invited to the country mm-hmm. and they're trying to be really respectful all of them except for you know vape boy pretty much but they're kind of trying to be respectful of their culture even to the point where like obviously fucked up stuff's going on so like two old people just dove off a cliff and they smash their heads yeah. with hammers and they're like oh this is their culture and like and continuously yeah. more fucked up stuff keeps happening and they're still trying to be like respectful which I is kind of like a subversion that's very comedic too yeah like it's like a subversion of like the shitty american coming in and they're getting their just desserts for for meddling in a culture that they're not a part of and this one they were invited and the culture is kind of meddling with them yeah and they're like trying to be like oh no it's sister thing they do guys they just murder their old people it's just how it is yeah Yeah. i like if people don't think that's hilarious like it's i just love the whole dynamic with because i can totally see like if danny and christian were real people they would have the argument about if midsummer was a dark comedy or not yeah (laughs) i totally i really think that would happen well there's like even the part where uh vape boy pisses on the sacred tree and just mm-hmm. like the way that that cult dude's <laughs> faces, like the whole rest, he's just fucking staring him down every time. It's just I don't he's know like, why it's so funny dude? to me. What dude? Like, yeah. That guy, Will Poulter. Sacred. Will Poulter is like he needs to do more comedy because he's fucking hilarious yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's like the worst kind of American yeah. and like person, and he was just cracking me up. Like even like his reaction, like the girl was like taking him away. He's like, oh, 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 like just that. Yeah. It was just his face. Was like he so could even dumb. fathom mm-hmm. that, like perhaps maybe he was getting punished for something he did. Like, yeah. that's how, like, little he cared about anything. He mm. was a great dipshit. Yeah. Yeah, and he always Pre- does. Primo American yes. dipshit right mm-hmm. there. So what did you guys think of, like, the drug imagery? Which I thought was really interesting. I've never taken um, hallucinogenics because uh, I have, like, really bad anxiety. So mm-hmm. I feel like I would have a bad trip if I ever took them. But I spoke with people, I won't name who they were, but they have taken hallucinogenics and they said that it was absolutely spot on like when you're on shrooms or acid. Like the visuals at the end with the breathing flowers and like the way stuff would like shift and move. and Yeah, the whole screen seems to be moving almost like it's organically alive in the the last scene. I know it was done with CG, but I would agree with those people. (laughs) (laughs) But it was just like a really cool touch, but it wasn't like overdone. (laughs) 
a couple know. times I would agree with those people. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I agree I don't with know, those people yeah. summer of no no. You were you were eyeballing me hard on that. <laughs> <laughs> like, mm. You were like, mm, do you know something? I was like, I, I've never I've never done a listening. One time I imagined that there was a dolphin in my dad's pool. Was there? Was it a friendly dolphin? It was friendly. Yeah, <laughs> okay, he was like cool. hanging out like at the end of the pool. Yeah. We took shrooms. Sorry, mom. Um, we took shrooms, and my dad had one of those plastic wheelbarrows. Oh yeah! And it was tilted on the side, so it was gray, and it like went up the handle when it was flipped up on the yeah. side. The handle looked like like the, the nose of a yeah. dolphin. So like we're like tripping on shrooms in my dad's backyard, and I'm like looking at the pool, and I'm like, hey, that dolphin's just like hanging out down there. What dolphin? <laughs> what I'm like, dolphin? I'm like, don't you see the dolphin? He's like, yeah. Literally, I thought a wheelbarrow was a dolphin. So, yes, I would agree with those people wholeheartedly. That's a great name for a book, The Wheelbarrow is a Dolphin. Yeah. It's a great title for a movie. It's a great title for Ari Aster's next film. Yeah. Ari, if you're listening, we got you. Because you know he is. He's totally, he's like, I'm such a big fan. Make a horror film about dolphins. Mm -hmm. Has there ever been one? No, but I I feel like you could make one out of that story with the isolation tanks. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, the experiments with the dolphins where what? they were like trying to, this guy fed dolphins. Yeah, LSD. yeah, yeah. What was that? It was, it was like a, it was a NASA thing. He was mm-hmm. like this guy who like believed in like, uh, like the healing benefits of LSD. So he would give them um, LSD, but also to the sick dolphins, just to dolphins, oh. just straight up dolphins. <laughs> he had like a, a tank, but also there was also the dolphins would get really horny and really angry. <laughs> and so this woman jerked off the dolphins. So here's the horror movie pitch. Okay. It's a dolphin who's a spited lover. He's mad because he can't be with this woman because he's a dolphin and she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And he goes after a human lover. It's not and, quite he, and he's on LSD. <laughs> and he's tripping on LSD, Mr. so he's seeing, like, <laughs> he's seeing crazy shit. He sees yeah. a wheelbarrow that looks like a human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, Ari, if you're listening, a, it's yeah. a live-action movie, is a dolphin. and he turns into a cartoon dolphin. Oh, for sure. This yeah, sounds oh, like a cool. Panos Cosmatos movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy 2. Get Nicolas Cage to be the dolphin. Yeah. Mandy Fuck 2, yeah. the wheelbarrow is a dolphin. Dolphin Boogaloo. <laughs> dolphin Boogaloo. Fuck We're yeah. terrible people. Dolphin Lundgren. Yes, for movies. <laughs> I think well, we don't write and we just critique them. That's, yeah. They can buy my pitch. <laughs> you just watch these movies. I was like, Kevin Smith might buy them. He made Tusk. That's true. <laughs> I get a percentage of this, though. I get at least a cut. Oh, for sure. The dolphin is a wheelbarrow. Dolphin is a wheelbarrow. <laughs> actually, yeah. it should be like a flip-flop name. Wheelbarrow the dolphin is a wheelbarrow. Is the... the wheelbarrow is a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sequel. The wheelbarrow is the dolphin is the sequel. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta build a franchise. It's all about interconnective. It's all about interconnective. It's all about now. creating a universe. It's all about a cinematic. It's gonna universe. be phase one. Phase <laughs> one. The dolphin. Is it's the gonna be the reboot franchise. of the dark universe. <laughs> Tom Cruise and the cast of the Mummy are in this movie about Tom the Cruise plays dolphin. the dolphin. Yes. He just runs the entire it's time. It's body. It's those Deaton's in his body. I think everybody's left the podcast now. No, Maybe actually, there's people watching. Like this more still. people have come in, like Dolphin <laughs> yeah. Lover sixty nine. Somebody's giving us mushrooms in. on here and everything. <laughs> the dolphin guy's yeah. like, I really like this idea. I'm a big producer and I, I specialize <laughs> in movies about dolphins. Okay, so I think I kind of prefer this one to Hereditary really? myself. Just something about it. Mm-hmm. I felt more connected to this one, and it just it freaked me the hell out. 
Yeah. Like when we walked out, I was like, what did we just watch? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My life is ending. It's, it's kind of funny because we went to the press screening and everybody was like <laughs> kind of chilling until like the old people cliff part and everybody was like, wah! <laughs> I think somebody left. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they did. I think somebody walked out. That happened at my, at my show too at 10 a.m. Like people were... <laughs> I always enjoy movies that I'm watching where people walk out in a huff. Like I'm like, yeah, get out, mm-hmm. <laughs> weakling. Yeah. You're, you're pre- get you're, out. You're weak. Cow- your seat is weak. Cow- press your screenings. bloodline is weak. Press screenings for people that are people that are there to just see a free movie and they don't know yeah. what they're getting themselves into. It's always great hearing That's them the react. That's the funniest. Th- that is actually my favorite thing. Like the best screening I ever went to was Sausage Party and just watching all the <laughs> old people see that food orgy. That was glorious. That gave me 10 years uh, in my life. My uh-huh. favorite screening to date was when we saw the Neon Demon and everybody started getting really noisy when she's reaching for the eyeball oh, that yeah, she just yeah, puked yeah. up. <laughs> like, and, and, and the same thing at the end of it, it was like, what the fuck was that? My two favorite walkout screenings are uh, when I saw a ghost story. And, you know, when she eats that pie for, like, oh, yeah. some, so she's, like, minute three into eating the pie. And someone was <laughs> just was like, how long is she going to eat this fucking pie? Like, he just <laughs> said it, like, in his normal tone of voice. And he left. Like, he got up and left. And then the other one was when we saw Love. Oh, the Gaspar Noe film. Yeah. And yeah. then there's a, in Love, like, spoiler, but there's, like, this, it's, like, 3D. And there's this part where, like... The, the camera's like a POV of a guy jerking off and like coming into the camera but it's like in 3D and like remember those frat boys that were like super offended yeah <laughs> I'm pretty sure they left too yeah right after the jerk off to your face they scene weren't offended they were going home to do they that were together like, <laughs> right? they were like come on bros we gotta go do this we but gotta how, go shoot some loads but how many times do you get to have like 3D jizz in your face in the movie like they should have been thankful that's like true. for this experience I that's what you say I think your boyfriend <laughs> said oh no when that scene happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> I think we were just started dating too, so he wasn't used to watching weird stuff yet. Mm-hmm. So, but now he's all like, he went, we went and saw um, the house of Jack Belt, and he didn't even blink an eye when we watched that. So he's been, <laughs> he's been hardened, he's been strengthened. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate you here. <laughs> Thank you for your service. Yeah, That's you're argue- foreign to us dating now. That's he's like whatever. Arguably a rougher movie than uh, the one we're talking about tonight. Yeah, yeah. House of Jack Belt. I know you had a tough time with that one. I had a really hard time with that that yeah. movie. Actually, at some point, we need to do something on disturbing films again because that yeah. one would be or just Lars von Trier's filmography. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that could be two podcasts right there. All right, are we done talking about this thing yet? I think so. I think so. We got into dolphins. I feel like we're, yeah. we've we've used up it's all okay. the information. Talked about it's okay. Dolphin Lundgren. <laughs> dolphin Lundgren. <laughs> oh, oh the my gosh, the career. Oh my! That's oh, an we can Oscar revitalize right his career completely. <laughs> that's right there. He just has to like. Get a tail. Sling blade, little mermaid. Sling blade, little mermaid. They could Done. use, dude. They Sling could use, blade, little mermaid. They can use that the technology for cats, but just like put human faces on fucking dolphins. <sighs> can, we, can we talk about cats? Because that was the most okay. horrifying. We can talk about I've the cats seen. trailer for five minutes because okay. this will be kind of funny. It's fuck. Okay, <laughs> Andrews. That's what it was like. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. I dropped my computer in terror when I saw that. That was scarier than anything. Like literally, how hard is it to make Sonic trailer was bad. cat outfits? Oh my oh, god! Yeah. They could just make cat out- cat outfits. Like the his. I don't. I don't understand why they made monstrosities. They made practical sets. So how hard is it just to get the thing from the stage show? That's like no one was like. 
Man, you know what cats needs? You know what? Funnily, <laughs> I, somebody did a um, a Photoshop where they made the cats. They look made them <laughs> look more the feline. Sonic face. They made them look more like cats, and it actually looked yeah. a lot better. Like the human face pasted in the middle. Yeah. Like especially like Judy deep Dench. fake fucking cat shit going on. It's like or, what? Who's that actress that's in uh, uh, Pain and Gain? Oh, Rebel Wilson. Yeah. Oh, she was frightening too. Yeah. Everybody was. Did no? you see the one where they replaced every face with um, Mike Tyson? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I would. They see. did the trailer, but every cat was Mike Tyson. Yeah, yeah but now it's not called cats. It's called cat. It's cat. I think that's what they called it. Actually, Kath. no more. I think cat the musical. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you because it's funny. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not picking on speech impediments. Other than just Mike Tyson. Tyson. Just other just than his. Yeah. One cat's gonna his. bite the other cat's ear off. Okay. <laughs> Why? Why do we need this? Yeah. Evander Catfield. <laughs> Evander Catfield. Well, they could have just made it with people in, like, cat outfits, yeah. and then it would have been cool. It's. I, we don't need a cat movie. like the Broadway show? Like, they're, like, people in, like, cat outfits? Like, That's that looks the show. cool. How do you go from the King's Speech to Cats? Very easily. Oh, yeah, you do uh, Les Miserables. <laughs> you, do, you do Les Mis with Russell Crowe. <laughs> that was actually good, though. Like, I enjoyed that movie. <laughs> It needed Russell more. Crow it needed more sing. CG cats. It, yeah, like cats. Yeah, I, I. It's like it was like it was just building. Like all the. Lame <laughs> Anne Hathaway kinda, with a shaved head. She was. I, I liked her in in uh, Lame She was fine. Dream a dream. You know that makes everybody cry. It's a beautiful piece of music. You know she did a good job with it. I'm gonna drink three beers and then go see cats when it comes out. I am so ready to be. I think. Cats terrified. will be the one that we do our mystery science theater oh video to. Oh gosh, please. Yeah. I would love to be there for cats. It's <laughs> Someone threw the Us music, the uh, I Got Five on It version from that movie, <laughs> or cats. and it worked so well that I would love to see like a horror movie of that. It, it is a horror movie. Tom Hooper stumbled onto a great horror movie about CGI <laughs> furries, but he was just trying to make a musical for a family. <laughs> all right, I'm done. Are yeah. you all, all done? Yes. All Meow. right. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> this is claws are out. Arena. All <laughs> right, we'll be back next week with 121. Not sure what it's going to be yet. Thanks for watching. Thanks for commenting. Bye. 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 Visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com and find the Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.